In this week's Parsha, we first have uh, the story of the passing of Sarah, Sarah Imenu, and the entire story of the acquisition of the Marasa Machpela, where Avram buried Sarah, and ultimately later he's going to be buried together with Yitzchak and Rivka, etc. Um, then we have the lengthy section where Avram sends his servant Eliezer to go find a wife for his son Yitzchak. And Eliezer travels and with all types of miracles and a fascinating story where he's able to find Rivka and bring her back and she marries Yitzchak. In the last section of the Parsha, we have where Avram remarries. And he marries a woman named Keturah, which according to the uh, most common opinion is that that's really Hagar, who's Avram's old maidservant from previous Torah portions. Um, be that as it may, he remarries and has six children with her. And the Torah goes on to describe the story of those children and their descendants and so on. What's perhaps perhaps last, um, not clear to everyone reading the Parsha is how old is Avram by this remarriage when he's going to then have with his wife another six children. Because this remarriage is just after Yitzchak marries Rivka. Yitzchak marries Rivka, he's 40 years old. Um, Avram and Sarah had Yitzchak when Avram was 100 years old, and Sarah was 90 years old. And in fact, when Yitzchak was born, a big deal is made of it, that Avram, at this very elderly age of 100, has a child, to the extent that when they were told about it, that they were going to have a son, so um, Sarah laughs, Avram laughs, one laughter is out of joy, one laughter is out of some a sense of disbelief. But how can he have a child when he's 100 years old? That was 40 years earlier. 40 years have passed since then. Now he's 140, so he's considerably older. He goes ahead and gets married and has six, six children, and the Torah doesn't seem to make a big deal of it. There doesn't seem to be any miracles that is, again, discussed or made a big deal of when it's 40 years later and suddenly he's having children. So the question is, what's going on um, about this most interesting miracle of having more children at the age of 140? Interestingly, in dealing with this question, the Rebbe points out that when Sarah had Yitzchak, again, 40 years back, um, and she was 90 years old, so when she gives birth to Yitzchak, she says, God has made for me this laughter, this joyous occasion, and everyone who hears will laugh with me. And Rashi brings from the Gemara that the day that Sarah had Yitzchak, many barren women who, um, who couldn't have children also gave birth to children. And many people who were ill were healed. So it was a day of miracles in the world. And that's what she means when she says that Kol all those who hear will laugh with me because it's not only I that was gifted today with a miracle from Hashem but so many others as well. Which means that when Sarah gave birth and a miracle happened for her a miracle happened for many others as well. Many others were recipients through this miracle that happened to Sarah. And similarly Avraham the miracle of Avraham being able to give, have a child at this old age also had to benefit others. 
And that's why here we have this additional miracle when 40 years later he's able to have a number of other children who are not going to be Jewish children. But nevertheless, others are also beneficiaries of this miracle. The idea here being a very powerful one. Our mission in the world as Jewish people is not only to be spiritual for ourselves and be holy for ourselves and do Torah mitzvahs, but rather to bring spirituality and holiness and goodness to the entire world. Hashem created a world, a big world, with all different types of people, and He chose one nation, and He gave those, that nation the Torah and the mitzvahs and the mandates to make the entire world a world of holiness, a world of goodness, and a world of spirituality. So when Yitzchak was born, and Yitzchak was the very first Jew being born, because Avraham became Jewish, he wasn't born Jewish, Avraham was born um, to idolatrous parents and was idolatrous himself as a, as a, as a small child. Avraham made the jump to become Jewish, Sarah became Jewish. The first child born as a Jew was Yitzchak. And his birth was miraculous. His mother was 90, his father was 100. So the first Jew was born in a miracle, which really is the story of the Jewish people. We're born through a miracle, we exist through a miracle. And the reason for that is because miracles mean the revelation of godliness in this world. And that's who we are. We're here, we were given, we're, we're human beings, we act like human beings, we look like human beings, we are human beings. And yet within each and every one of us, God has invested a part of, a part of himself and given us the mission that we bring godliness into this world. And that's what a miracle is. A miracle is a revelation of godliness. So the fact that the first Jew is born with a miracle, and, as, and we continue as a nation to exist so many times miraculously, is because that's our mission. That's who we are. We're a part of God in this world and meant to reveal that. But we're not only meant to reveal that for ourselves, we're meant to reveal it for the entire world and bring the entire world to that recognition and that way of behavior, a spiritual and a holy way of behavior and recognition of God in the world. So this is why both Avraham and Sarah, their personal miracle of the birth of their child, the first Jew, had to also express itself in a miracle for others as well. So Sarah expressed it by the fact that on the day she gave birth, many women gave birth, and many people who were ill were healed. That was that revelation of godliness, not only for herself, but for many others as well. For Avram, it expressed himself on the fact that after he was able to give birth to his own son, he was able to give birth to many other sons. And again, non-Jewish sons, who were going to be, non, which going to be different nations, come from them. But again, the idea of his own miracle, his own revelation of godliness, was something that he sought to, to spread and to make sure that other nations and other peoples would also be recipients and beneficiaries of the, of the special revelation of godliness. That having been said, there's still a difference between Sarah and Avraham. And the difference is, Sarah's effect on the world was automatic. She didn't do anything in order to, infect, to affect others with this miracle. Her miracle was her child. And on that day, many others had children as well, and many others were healed as well. But she didn't, so to speak, go out of her way to get involved, so to speak, with the world and bring the miracle to them. Avram, on the other hand, his miracle was when he had his own child, and then he went out and remarried and had more children, and that's how he shared the miracle with the world.
So the Rebbe goes on to point out a very interesting and powerful idea. That whenever it comes to affecting others, in this case we're talking about affecting the entire world, but really it's a message for any type of chinuch, any type of educating or affecting another person, there's really two ways how we affect others. One is active and direct. We go out and we teach, we go out and we explain, we go out and we help. An active form of teaching, spreading and inspiring around us. Another way of affecting is what we might call one who teaches by example. When one teaches by example, they're not involved in teaching. They might not even know that their student is learning from them or that there isn't or that there is even a student. They're just being who they are and they're being who they are in a very beautiful and special way. And people who see and people who feel and people who get wind of what's going on are inspired, are taught and are pulled along and are educated without any active involvement of the teacher. And both of these are important methods, both of these are great methods, and both of these pertain to the way that we affect the world as well as a Jewish people. On the one hand, there's the active involvement, where we get involved in teaching and in explaining and in inspiring the people around us and the world around us. But there's another and perhaps even greater way of affecting the world around us, and that's being role models living a certain way, acting a certain way, and being just very, very involved in holiness in a very beautiful and special way that causes others, even if we don't know and we don't know that they're watching, causes them to want to emulate and inspires others to go on that path as well. And that's what Avram and Sarah represent in this story. Avram, his miracle, he carried on to others and he brought that holiness and, and revelation of godliness to others, but it was active. He went out and got remarried. He went out and had more children, and there were going to be other nations, and he taught them about God, and he brought to them spirituality. Sarah was, an, was on an even greater level. She didn't have to actively involve herself with the people around her. Rather, just by being the great woman, the great tzaddikist that she was, her miracles and her spirituality was able to affect the world around us. Around her, that is. And interestingly, when we look at the Rambam, in the end of his book, when he talks about the coming of Mashiach, and he talks about the fact that the time of Mashiach is a time of revealed godliness and holiness, and a time of where the world will be in a much greater place. And he makes very clear that Mashiach is not just for the Jewish people, but the entire world will be affected morally, spiritually, in that time of the coming of Mashiach that we await. But he writes two different expressions about the way the world will be affected. In the end of the 11th chapter of the uh, Laws of Kings, which is the last laws of the Rambam, he writes that Mashiach will be misakin eskala oilam kulay. He will correct and affect the entire world to serve Hashem together. Indicating that Mashiach himself will actually be involved in teaching and spreading the light and the teachings of Torah and mitzvahs and morality and justice and kindness, he'll be involved in it. And indeed, I should, I should mention it's a mitzvah that we have to teach the world around us the seven Noahide laws, the laws of morality, the basic laws of spirituality, and that Mashiach will actively do. In the very last halach of the Rambam, he writes, Ba'oso Azman in that uh, time, Lo'yiyeh Eisek kol ha'ilam kulay, 
the involvement of the entire world will be in the pursuit of godliness, the pursuit of the knowledge of godliness. He doesn't write here that Mashiach will actively be teaching the nations of the world. Here he just talks about the nations themselves. They will on their own be looking for this and be striving for greater growth and greater learning and greater heights in their connection to God. So that here in Mashiach too we have these two ways where he's actively involved in teaching and inspiring and even greater when he'll just create such a level of holiness in the world that all will come to that on their own. And everything starts from our Ovis, everything starts from Avram and Sarah, the first two Jewish people. And that's why in their own life we have that the miracles that they spread in the world around them were in these two ways of active and passive, if you will. Um, and the message for us in our own fulfilling our mission of spreading godliness around us in all areas, in our own families, in the world around us, Jewish and non-Jewish, is also in both of these ways actively and just being role models for all those around us, inspiring ourselves and everyone in coming closer to Hashem. A good Shabbos.